Welcome to the Loose Head Podcast. To accomplish great things, we must not only act, but also dream. Not only plan, but also believe. In a way, we want you to fail because we know you're pushing yourself to a new level. I've rarely seen capability compensate for a lack of character or a lack of capacity. And today I'm delighted to welcome Nick Evans onto the show, who is the attack coach for Harlequins. Nick, how are you getting on? Very good, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, thanks a million for taking the time. And it's one thing I've noticed across, you know, any coach I've asked, they've always been so kind of generous with their time and, you know, so open to share. And I think it's a common trait that kind of that openness and that willingness to share. I think it kind of sets good coaches apart from just normal everyday coaches. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, someone was told me that information is there to be shared. Um, and I think if you want to develop, and especially myself, you know, I, I have to still understand or know that I'm, this is only my fourth year of coaching. Um, so I'm still very green under the gills, as they say, in terms of my development. So the more that I can get information and share information and experiences that I've come across and um, as we're talking before you know like Jerry coming from a different environment so I'm probably maybe a little bit unique unique in terms of my where I am in the stage of my career where Quinn's has, has been my only environment I've worked with through as a player um, and into into coaching transitioning there so to have Jerry um, come from obviously his Munster background um, and, and just have a different light on, on how things can and, and, and will operate um, has been brilliant so yeah, always, always up for a chat and share ideas and, and, and just share and, and learn. In regards when everything was locked down, how did you go about expanding your own coaching in that time when you couldn't get on the pitch or anything? Uh, so obviously the obviously explosion of Zoom and, and, and Teams, uh, the online access. So we, as soon as the, the first lockdown happened, like we were still, it was... For us as a as a group and as an environment was like we could be back on in a week um so it was very much right the players the players are the first and foremost um so for kind of for that maybe first two three weeks was like right let's just keep everyone uh up to date on what we need to do make sure that uh the players have got what they need in terms of physical side of things um programs to keep them going because it was a bit like when it was all unknown it was like right we've got this time off but we could be back we could be back training next week it could be uh social distance training so it was very much around progressing the team through this period but then obviously once it was fully locked down it was right how can we use this opportunity to to one improve areas of the game that we need to improve uh but to improve our kind of cpd our professional development um and so look, we, like, i think at that time obviously paul was um our head coach and he was very active on that side of it, it was, a, was a real strength of his in terms of how he how he helped develop himself and help develop others um and so he he would challenge us quite a bit to to take ownership, um, present back on areas of the game, come up with new ideas, innovative meetings, um, how we could come up with ways and, and things like that. And then, and then it was just like tapping into the resources. So obviously, you know, there's lots of online webinars that were going on. You know, I listened to obviously Stuart Lancaster doing really well in Leinster, listened to a couple of his, um, obviously 
connections, um, you know, had chats with Scott Wisemental, um, the attack coach of England at the time. And he was, he, he was back down in Australia, obviously transitioning to his new role. So, you know, having a chat to him about ideas and, and, and how he goes about uh, areas of um, areas of attack that he looked to, to, to try and expose, but it was more, more around set piece and, 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 and how he trains the set piece. Um, and then, um, you know, other areas and, we had a couple of other coaches that would uh, have a chat to Michael Checker, um, Stephen Larkin had a chat, and then we'd all just come back and and, and basically uh, just debrief on what, what we'd learned and key outcomes. Um, we also read books, um, so um, you know Paul challenged us to read 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 books, which is probably something that you kind of, as a coach, like I was never a big reader. Um, I was never really a big reader, so that was a, a bit of a challenge, especially with three kids running around the house to try and find time to. To read a book so you know read some really good uh book read urban myers book um which was um you know above the line which was really good um you know true grit was another book i read so and, and then a my uh growth mindset book i read as well so yeah it was just just picking up little bits where we can i know you coached a little bit when um wimbledon first and you brought them up to national d2 but why did you want to get into coaching initially yourself and i know you were coaching while playing and stuff but what made you go down that avenue um, to be honest, Jeff, I didn't. Uh, I, 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 there wasn't a specific pathway that I was looking at to go, right, when I finish rugby, I, I want to go into coaching. I studied physio before I came through, when, before rugby really took off. So that was kind of my career path when rugby was just starting out. And obviously, after 17 years of professional rugby, kind of, <laughs> kind of the, the knowledge of physiotherapy had gone had gone out, and the the uh, the kind of attraction to being a physio had kind of left <laughs> quite quite quickly throughout the years. So, um, so I was always looking, um, kind of developing myself in, in a few other areas, and then and then yeah, as as you said, there Wimbledon came along. So that was probably two or three years before I retired. Um, the opportunity came up to go down and. And, and, and the attraction for that was purely where I'd come through as a rugby player. So I came through the amateur side of it, of club rugby. I didn't come through academies like kids do now or through the schooling system. It was, I went to a local amateur club, played 19s, 21s, fought my way into, into the seniors. Um, but we played, uh, sorry, trained Tuesday, Thursday, Bears on the Thursday, played Saturday, and then tore the hell out of it on Saturday night. And for me, that was what rugby was about. And that's why I love the game. You know, the, the, that's where the bonding came in and the camaraderie and you, you, you earn respect and, you know, you sit behind the door as a young fella and you just want to get down the end of the changing room with the seniors. And once you've kind of earned your stripes, they look after you and they buy your beers. And that, that, for me, that was what rugby was about. Um, so for me to coach at Wimbledon was just being part of that, you know, carry on a Thursday, come down on a Saturday, watch them, watch them play. And, and, then, and then I just, I, I just found that I loved it. I love developing these players. I loved like coaching and, and helping. And, the, you know, we're such a diverse group, sparkies, chippies, uh, guys coming from town, um, lawyers, and all they wanted to do was just smash each other at training. And I'm obviously coming through 17 years of rugby. I was like, lads, like, why do you want to do contact so much? Um, but it was brilliant. You know, it was, it was just great to be part of. So I then, as I got the kind of bug for it, found that I, this was a perfect environment for me to learn and make mistakes. Like this is for me to, to kind of test things and see how players react to, well, if I tell them this and, you know, the, the man management, even at that level compared to whatever it is, it is at the highest level is still there. And, you know, I can talk to him that way and he, I get the best out of him if I give him a bollocking, but he needs an arm around the shoulder and 
he needs to be pumped his tires need to be pumped up and so just understanding that kind of level of, and, then, and that is kind of where the bug i kind of got the bug so that was only cheapest it was only about five six years ago really and when you were coaching at that level and now coaching at harlequin is there anything you take from the previous coaches you've had over the years and try and implement it or is it all your own style um i think it's important to have um your take on it um i think again the, the the advice that i've had over the years is is don't try and be someone else so you know obviously the, the coaches that i've had have ranged from Graham henry to um Connor o'shea uh you know mark mapletop to paul gustard is like try like don't be try and be them um you know make sure that you're nick evans um you're not nick evans the player you're the nick evans the human being uh and then the way you form relationships and and um give critical feedback performance feedback is is your own style but also just pick up little bits of of how those coaches do it um you know the detail around how they do it um you know the, the, one of the great coaches i had was obviously wayne smith the guru um you know unbelievably detailed and technical and knew the game inside out but his greatest strength was forming relationships you know, he knew everything about all the players. Um, he knew like about my family and you, you just build that element of trust. So I think definitely my coaching has been very much influenced. You know, my, one of my big philosophy is coaching through relationships. Um, and I think I definitely learned that through Wayne Smith and obviously probably again through Connor O'Shea, he, he was really good at that as well. So I think kind of identifying that strength that you have um and but but being but being also open to to picking up things from from other coaches as well i think that's something that people don't see about the professional game i know at, at amateur level like people aren't being paid to play there obviously so when they rock up on a thursday it's because you know they do want to be there and everything like that and but i think people see amateur players as a lot more human because they have a day job as well you know they like you said you have mm. your sparkies chippies whatever it may be but at the professional level, I think sometimes people forget to see that they are people too. You know, they might have had a baby crying till four in the morning or a parent might be sick or something like that. So when you say developing relationships, I, I imagine you don't mean just as in like, oh, how are you getting on? He's a good lad. You actually mean, oh, how's your dad keeping or, you know, how's the kid or whatever. It's, it's more it's more than the immediate vision you get, I'd say. 100% I think um, and, and, and that can be tough you know it's, it's, it's easier when you're an assistant coach because you're probably you're, you're closer to the players um, you know I've never been a head of rugby or a director of rugby where you sit above where the buck stops with you um, you know you're making these these decisions on contracts and things like that but I, but I still think there's an element of where that that that's important at that top level um, but as you say there it, it is it's just the, the the detail around knowing your players um, and having that element of 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 care where where when you give performance feedback they know well, actually you know what nick nick spent the time to have a coffee with me and talk about how i love to play the piano um and i'm working on that and my kids you know my kids got um scarlet fever um and you know he was there asking how you know how she is and and, and things like that and as you said you want to build that environment where you can have that trust um of of when you give performance feedback and you give that critical feedback it's not just because it's all about this on a saturday and this and that which it is because results were in a results uh, driven business but you know you want to get the best out of each and every player and you want them to aspire to what i was lucky enough to get to the top of the the top level of the game so 
um, yeah, I think it's um, it's something that again, like I'm constantly working on. It's it's how can you get how I, what I find is one of my biggest faults is I get stuck behind this. I can get stuck behind this computer, and I'm sitting here like we are now, just looking through games, trawling through games, looking at uh, right. How does this compare? Did this work? Is he in the right position? What 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 are Bath doing? Like what are Lentz doing? Are they doing that? Like. And then what you find is like half the day's gone and then you go to training and you haven't seen your players. And the first time sometimes you see a player is like when you walk into a training pitch. And for me, it shouldn't be like that. Like I should, you should be down in the cold face, in the gym, um, just, and it might even be like a two or three second conversation, but you're in, you're, you're, you're visible to the, to, to the players. Um, and that's where you can have those informal chats. So you don't have to bring them into the office and sit them in front of all the coaches and tell them, right, the feedback. You can do it over around the coffee machine. You can do it just off the skill session in the gym or as he's sitting down uh, having his lunch. So I think that's something we're, we're definitely trying to definitely improve at Quinn's. And it's something that I, like, I, I firmly believe in and, and are constantly trying to improve an area, area of my development. So would you say that watching a game tape, you might see a guy carrying the ball and you might think to yourself, okay, I need to get him let's say carrying an extra yard or he's not doing this as well as he could. Do you think in your experience so far or in your belief, let's say that that informal chat can be the difference in him going that extra yard or doing a job better? I think so. I, I think you always, if it's, if it's important, if we say like, let the important thing be the important thing. If it's very important, you need to show on a video clip, then you have to show it on the video clip. But then it's also, again, like a bit of, coaching philosophy here is like I always try and be consistent and insistent uh, with my coaching so I'm consistent with the messages that I give and then I am insistent on it so if I if carrying like you say the, the example there is is important to get that extra he's not getting his body height low enough every time he just gets to the gain line where he should be like poking through and getting past the gain line well okay always carrying the ball in the wrong hand like I, I can't tell him once I can't just come in here and show him a video and tell him once so that's where those informal chats uh you link then that to, to the rugby side of it so we can talk about Jeff how how's Dublin going brilliant you know like how's the family how's the new baby you know, all that kind of stuff. And then remember what we said, you know, tuck right arm, right arm, poke through, get your body height down. Yeah, quick, quick work on the ground and ball press. You know, want lightning quick ball, gives us our attack going and then gives you an opportunity to get back on your feet and have another carry. So it's just picking those guys up, but being really consistent and insistent on what the important thing is for that for that player. Uh, and then that obviously transfers to what's important for the team as well. I, I definitely think we can over overcomplicate the game. Um, and I think through these informal chats, it's, it's just, it allows me especially to be a bit more consistent and insistent on what I, I want from the players. You, you mentioned there that it's important to be close to the players, but um, I know, let's say with yourself, when you retired, you had been playing with a number of the players who are still, you're, you're now coaching, let's say. And mm. at the amateur level, sometimes a player can finish playing, but still stay involved in the club in a role, let's say a coaching role or maybe a forwards role, whatever it may be. How difficult is it removing yourself from, like, I know it's important to still have that friendship and that relationship with the players, but let's say you played alongside Mike Brown for years. How difficult was it to go from, okay, he's my full back and I'm his 10 to I'm his coach and he's my player? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it was, t it was tough. Um, I think, I think I definitely, I found it probably tougher than they did. Um, and I, I think a certain element of that comes down to maybe the respect that you had as a player and how you how you conducted yourself. Um, 
or how you were in that environment previous to you stepping outside of it. Um, and what I mean by that is like, if I, I'm not going to go to Mike Brown and say, mate, like you're not being, you're, you're not hitting rucks hard enough or you're, you're, you're not like, I can do that, but like I'll get someone else who has been in that situation, who does that, who's shown those examples, if you know what I mean. So like I say, like, I'm not going to go to Wilco Lowe and go like, mate, like tackling, you need to get the intent there because I was never a big intent tackler. So I was just, I was brave. I went low and chopped. So we, we, we dovetail and, and, and get people to do that. But when it came to those guys, I think the respect that I had as a player that when I turned up to train, I trained hard. I, I prepared professionally. I, I did, I did the best that I could. Um, you know, I, I was there to help people and, and you want know, to develop those around me. You want to make the team better team first mentality, all that kind of stuff. So for that, for me to then transition to, into coaching, I thought, I thought, like you said there, like, Oh my God, I've now got to tell Mike Brown that his left-hand passing is not great. Or I have to tell Danny care that his box kicks are not, uh, are not on the money or, or things like that. I think, I overthought that and thought that would be harder than it actually was. Um, and then as you alluded to there, like you have to step away from that relationship that you had as a player because it's not the same anymore. It's not the same. You, you can't have that. Well, I personally don't think you can have that same relationship. Like I'm still mates with him. Uh, and we still socialize when we get together with, uh, with some of the older players and things like that. But when it comes to um, like what it was before where you go out, uh, uh, you know, for beers after a game, and and you socialize on away trips and all that kind of stuff. It's it's just not the same, and it can't and and it can't be the same. You, you will probably get that back when you step away from Quinns or when they retire, uh, and you can have that relationship can come back uh, again. But at the moment, um, I made a conscious effort to make sure that I stepped away from that that kind of relationship as it was before, and that, that's tough. Because it's not just tough on me, it's tough on my wife because we socialise with their their friends and families for 10 years. And then now we don't do that anymore. So for me, it's fine because it's part of my profession and, and part of my development to help the team get better. But for them, like it's all, well, why do we not go to their house when everyone else is going in there anymore? And why do they not do this? And that's that's quite a tough thing um, to, to, to kind of stop straight away. So yeah, that, that was probably the toughest bit, but I think I was lucky enough with the respect that I had as a player that I maybe overthought that more than than they maybe than they thought it would be. Looking at your attacking structure with Quinns and the attacking structure you brought in over the last couple of years, I imagine you know when you when you join a new club as a coach or well, I know you didn't join a new club, but you had a fully different role, let's say that when you come into that role, you have dreams and ambitions of how a team's going to play and you have this idea in your head, like, and, you know, we're all human. We all have our own ambitions and we all want to implement our own ideas. But was it difficult to, I, sp I suppose, was it difficult to dovetail with, let's say, the line-out coach or the forwards coach or the head coach, let's say, in saying, look, this is how I want us to play. And then perhaps, you know, someone else saying to you, well, actually, no, that's not going to work. This is how we're going to play. Did, that, did you come across that at all? Yeah, definitely. I think um, obviously when I when I transitioned, it was John Kingston was the the head coach, um, and then he was he was gone after a year. So then Paul Gusto came in, and as you say, like dovetailing with the lineout coach, we changed lineout coaches in about three or four in in the space of of a year and a half. So so that was quite tough. I think I think it's important to to one 
like understand what the vision is in and around the club uh, and align to that. Also, like the DNA of the club. So they're, they're kind of almost not not two different things, but that they're, they're related um, closely. Uh, and also how you want to play. So if we use the example uh, of, say, the DNA of the club, I think everyone knows the DNA of what Quinns are. Um, you know, high tempo. They want to like to move the ball around. Uh, I think everyone kind of understands that. But also there's there's a way that you want to play uh, specifically and in terms of a structure of how you want to play. So you so let's say you could be a position-based team like Exeter um, or Bristol. You might be a kick-first team, say like Leicester. You might be set-piece orientated. So there's there's a certain way that you want to play the game. So I think when Paul came in, there was a certain shift to how we wanted to play the game. Um, and obviously he's the boss. Um, and so we, we, we discussed it and, 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 and it's always like a bit of a fluid thing as well as, is how we, how we can develop and, and improve and, and, and test the boundaries of, of where, where we want to go and how we want to play. Um, but it's important to know how you want to play and how we want to do it and get that signed off and then everyone buy into it. So, so I think we, we kind of had that and then we, then we, then we, then we went away from it and then, then we definitely had a style that we wanted to play. Um, we were, we were kind of. We were kind of like the lines of like we were a territory-based try-scoring team. So again, it was language comes into that, and then people will say, "Okay, well, is that a kick first? Or, or so we, it was very detailed around how we wanted to do that because the stats tell you. Like in the in the, I think could be wrong. I think it was in the Premiership, like twenty-three percent of tries originate. Twenty-three uh, percent of tries come from position originating in your half. So 77% originate in the other opposition half. So the stats tell you, I think 4% of that originate in your 22. So the, the stats are telling you that if you're going to try and run it from your own 22, you've got a 4% chance of scoring a try. So it's, you know, like the way the game is at the moment. So we developed a, a, a an attacking style around that. And it was constant discussions, we'd say, about, right, do we should we run more? Should we kick more? But as long as there was a buy-in and around it, then... And then that was the most important thing. And then obviously having the players involved in that decision-making as well, well, senior players especially, and making sure that there was an alignment there and there was a buy-in. So you could call it co-creating um, of, of, of the vision on how we wanted to play. Um, and then and, and then that's kind of how we went, went about it. So I think the important thing is, is as, you, as, you, as you've seen, we probably went away from the DNA of the club a little bit at, at, at Quinn's. Um, and as you've seen, like obviously, unfortunately, Paul lost uh, lost his job, and which was re- really sad because he'd done some amazing things and definitely improved the club and 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 improved me as a coach. Um, but we've kind of tried to get back to the original DNA of the club as a whole, and um, and I think we're kind of getting uh, probably maybe a better buy-in from the players a little bit and around that. Just on the players' input, and you said it's kind of a fluid thing throughout the season. I imagine you have to put so much trust into the players that like, let's say after maybe five games, if you're 10 or if you're 12 or something turns around to you and I, I picked those positions just because that's where you played. But if you, let's say Marcus Smith turns around to you after five games and says, look, man, this isn't working. We need to do X, Y, Z instead of A, B, C. I imagine there has to be a huge level of trust just to say, do you know what? Fine. You think so. We'll go with this. Um, how do the boys feel? And if they're all on board, you say, look, okay, this isn't my plan, but I trust you as individuals. Because at the end of the day, they're looking out for the best interests of the team as well, you know? So 
um, was it difficult for you initially to trust the players when they say, look, this isn't working, we'd rather do this? Or did you experience so much of it as a player that you were like, do you know what, they're actually right at the end of the day? Yeah, I think a bit of both. I think there's there's a few points around that. I think one is to is to remember, and this is what I learned when I came out of rugby, is players don't see the game as like coaches do or as we do now. And I learned that really, really quickly is players are very reactionary. So, I, and I was the same. Like I'd see something on TV and go, oh, brilliant. Why, why don't we do that? That's, let's just do that. And then I'd, I'd go to Tofty and go, let's just do that move. But what they don't realize is, is that move is done, that move is done because defensively that team sets up that way or they defend a line out with no tail gunner and actually off that tail gunner, then the backs, the off a five man, it's, it's 10 back row, back row, then 12. And it's not back row, back row, 10, 12. Or defensively, uh, the 12 defends a certain way. It's not just because, oh, we just thought up a move and we'll just put it together and let's just have a crack at it. Um, and I think I think players are very very reactionary of what they see on TV and just go oh bro, well, that's, well look that like Bristol are just throwing, doing that and but there's 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 detail and there's plans and there's um, there's training time and there's there's um, you know there's all this that goes into it so I learned that very very quickly coming into coaching is like I like I didn't understand the game like it like I used to like I need to understand the game more um, especially around like forwards and lineouts and and, and things like that but just around uh the way uh like attack is is broken down and how you look at it and so the important thing i guess around that is like if if my 10s and 12 want to change something like i i challenge them and say you have to evidence it to me you can't just come to me and go right i want to change this i'm going to ask you why and then you have to show me why like and don't come to me with one clip and go oh this is this is why because of this because in that one clip, like it just could be, well, this guy fell over or this guy had an injury or actually this time the, the defense was defending that way. You know, like I need you to show me like four or five games worth of clips. Like uh, I need to see a pattern uh, around what you want to do and why you want to do it. Um, and, and then that, that's probably more around when you start changing shape and you want to change from a one, three, three, one or a two, four, two or one, three, two, two and, 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 and whatnot. So um, but, but then again, like everyone, like, I don't know about you, but everyone attacks the same way pretty much these days. Like, like it's, there's, there's a few nuances around exit to do a little bit off the edge, which are a little bit different. Uh, Bristol probably, um, you know, play a bit deeper and there's a lot of ball movement from the forwards. Um, but most teams generally have a, have either one of the three or four type of formations. And then it's just little details and around it. And actually at the moment we've kind of going a different way to what a lot, of, a lot of other teams are doing. We're probably playing off nine, off nine a little bit more with a little bit of deception around that. So I think, I think it's, it's important that, that when you kind of co-create and when I say co-create, it's not like they come in and go, right, we just want to do this and we want to change everything. It's just giving them the autonomy to come up with things so they are probably more invested in in what we're doing. You know, that, that, that there's a bit of accountability, which is probably the most important word, because if they come in and want to change something and you go, okay, that's brilliant, you know, but excellent idea, Jeff, brilliant, right. That's, that's see, that's evidence it, brilliant, I can see that. You know what, you're right. That's right. That's, that, let's go and do it. Well, then now they're accountable to it. And then if they go... If they go, well, this didn't work. When you go, well, hang on, like we 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 looked at it. You you bought into it. Like you you signed off on it. So 
now that's the response. You've got to go perform and make it happen type thing. And I'll give you the tools and we'll train it. We'll adapt training. We'll do the drills and we'll do all that kind of stuff. So it's um, it's just making sure that you're you're aligned and together and you have the relationship to, to be able to do that. And I guess it goes back to the original point we we're talking about. If you have that relationship, then you can have these conversations and then I can trust them and then they can trust me. Um, you know, I probably had a really good relationship with Mark Mapletop. Um you know, the, the years that we were really successful at Quinn's, you know, I trusted him that he was coming up with the plays and he trusted me that I would go out there and, and, and implement them at the right time in the right place with, with my play calling. Um, so the, the, if you, that's the kind of level that, that, that you want to operate in. Um, and look, everyone's got great ideas and it's just being able to, to give the players a voice. If, if they feel like they've got a voice and you listen to them and look, you can pick, and and say you know what this that's not really that that relevant that's that's a ridiculous <laughs> that's ridiculous or actually you know what that's that's brilliant that's brilliant I I hadn't thought of that you know what let's let's go go and give me three clips of when that's worked and then we'll come back and then we'll have a look and then you know what you present to the team and say this kind of move here we want to do this or actually we want to be a little bit deeper here or our short side we want to do this and and then and then and then we'll go with it and we'll run with it and then we'll, we'll have a buy-in. But um, I think it's important that the players have a voice and because they're out there, they're, they're the ones that are doing it. The game's changed from when I was when I was playing, and that wasn't that long ago. Um, and you want them, I think. I, this is just me. Is I think you want them to try and coach, be be a coach out there as much as you can. Uh, allow them to really coach themselves and coach the group which means they need to be, feel like they're, they're part of it and have a voice and, and their, their, their ideas are being heard. And, and as, as I said, you don't take everything, but you, you want to make sure that they have a, cause they're the ones out there doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm just trying to give them the tools and the platform to be able to go out there and make, make those decisions. Can it be difficult to implement an attacking structure or a framework without inhibiting a player's ability? Yes, I, I think so. I think it, that probably goes back to, are you, going maybe down the Bristol route, like Pat Lamb, unbelievable coach, but he has a style of play and he gets the players to, to, to play like how he wants to. Or maybe do you have a, a group where you come in and go, actually, you know what, like I've got a, a massive pack and huge big centres. I can't play wide, wide, throw the ball. It, it's just not, it's not going to work. The players don't, uh, aren't conditioned to it. So I think it's, 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 it's a bit like, I'll use our example. We, 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 we have a, a way of playing. It's the DNA of the club. We look, tempo is a big part of the club, so we use that. We don't have a, like, say, a Billy Vinopola or a Marco to get around the corner and then a Manu Tuolangi. We can't play that power game. We don't have those type of individuals, but we have a certain set of skills and, and ability within the group where we can challenge teams in different ways through tempo, through moving the point of attack, um, through having two-sided attack. Um, that, 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 that's the way that, that we go down. So I think it's, 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 and then, and then you say recruitment, recruitment comes into that is, is then the players that don't fit into that or can't do what, what, what you're doing, you, you probably look to, you probably look to change. Um, and that doesn't mean you change straight away to, to get rid of them, but you try and you coach them and you, and, and you, you try and give them the tools and their tool belt to be able to do what you want them to do. Um, and then and then give them the trust that, that they can go out there and do it or have the trust that they can go out there and do it. Um, but then, or you, 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 you get rid and, and, you, and you try and get people that can. Just on that idea of recruitment, do you have much of an input on the recruitment side at Quinn's? Yeah, we, we, we were really, uh, really closely with that because obviously 
it goes back to we have a way that we want to play, not just attack, but but defence and and um, an overall kind of DNA of what we want for the club and how we want to play, uh, a vision we want to play. So, yes, we do, we, we do we we have a big big say on on who we want. Um, it's I don't think it's a bit like I can only speculate what it's like in football clubs where <laughs> the board goes above and says, oh yeah, we want that player, and then all of a sudden he's at the door and oh okay, that kind of thing. So I'm not sure. It's definitely definitely not like that. So yeah, we we have a we have a big say on 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 who we want and a lot of discussions and, and recruitment meetings about how this person's going to uh, help us and and where he can help us and. Is there a long term, or or is it actually you know what the academy is coming through? There's three or four guys in there that that's lifted up through there and 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 fill the spots where we need and add a little bit of stardust here and 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 whatnot. So I think that's important because, as you said, like we we're the ones who who are trying to make the team function. We understand what 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 we want to try and do in terms of our style of play. So, say you want to play fast tempo and you bring in big lumpy uh, forwards that can't do that, then What's the point? It's just not going to work. Just on that side of recruitment as well and bringing in players, that little bit of stardust that you mentioned. I imagine, though, that when you're looking at these players that you're not just looking at ability, you're also looking at character, what they bring like off the pitch to the team too. 100%. 100%. And I think, Jeff, I think that's even more so now um, because I think we're seeing like how much culture and environment and, and positive environments can increase, you know, one, one harmony, but two, like success and winning. I think it's, it's proven, you know, like you have a good culture, you have a good environment. Um, you know, the players are in a good place. Um, the welfare is good. Then, then, you know, generally you're going to get decent, decent results. So, or decent, decent performances because obviously that, that the results come from that. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think character is a big, a big way that we look at, we look at recruitment now and, and how they can add to the group. Um, you know how what environments have they come from um you know what kind of mentality they are in terms of uh you know performance and winning um also where where they can help uh with young guys uh coming through where they can develop off field off field situations where they are in the stage of their career so you know all this kind of stuff but Sometimes it's obviously in this climate, it's hard because you sit down and have a beer and you get a good, good kind of judge of character uh, with that. So it's pretty hard uh, in this day and age over over a Zoom to, to judge a character fully. Um, but that's where you, you lean on people and your scouts going out and, and, and coming back. Looking at your time with Wimbledon and just a bit of a reflective question, is there any mistakes that you made with Wimbledon that you brought let's say not brought through but that it cropped up again with harlequins and you you kind of knew how to deal with it or any lessons you learned in wimbledon that you brought through here to quinn's i would say the like giving performance feedback was or it was something that i found really hard um as i said like when i first started going down this kind of philosophy of like coaching through relationships i probably through wimbledon got really too like almost too close um and i then became i i was i found it very awkward to to tell a guy you know what he was what he was doing wrong um you know and and it might sound silly but i it was just i just found it very very awkward um so just learning and putting myself into situations like that and and then as i got into quins i think i still had that i still had that kind of awkwardness purely from the fact we the point you made before about i'd played with some of these guys for 10 12 years 
And I was like, oh man, how am I going to give feedback to Mike Brown? How am I going to give feedback to Joe Marler, Chris Robshaw? You know, like how's this going to go? And and it was probably, if I'm being honest, like I probably avoid, tried to avoid that kind of situation. Um, and it's something that I, it was a big learning reflective kind of moment um, just to, with with kind of a, with a few mentors and, and just going, you know what, like this is part of the gig, you know, you've got to get over, as you said, it's probably more you than them. And it's, you know, if you want to get the best out of them, then, then this performance critical feedback has to be given. So um, it was me just kind of getting over that, that, that hump, uh, as, as you would say. Um, and then, and then I guess the other thing is just understanding the game, mate. Like I was just, I'd never been, you got to think as a back, I was never in Ford's meetings. Like you had your meeting at the same time. So to then start understanding Ford's and line outs and, and kind of being that link and, and, and understanding the, the ability to dovetail with Ford's coaches and understanding the game better was a bit, was a big part of like my development. Um, and that, that's something that, again, you probably don't get so much of in through the Wimbledon days at lower levels, but, but something that I tried to, to try to do. And, and the beauty was that was like, I had to run a Ford session. So we swapped. We just did like a, a, a week where I took the Fords. Um, I had to like run line outs and, and, you know, maybe not so much scrums cause it's a bit more technical, but, but run Fords, Ford sessions and, and the backs had to, and the Fords coaches had to run backs just to, just to get a bit of an idea and, get a bit of flavor of what they do and, and, and things. So that was quite a good little kind of drill that we did. So that actually brings <laughs> me to my next question where, you know, you played your whole career as a back and suddenly you have to attack an entire team's attack. And that includes the forwards. And at amateur level, you know, a lot of, a lot of amateur clubs are set up as, oh, he's the forwards coach, he's the backs coach. And, or she's the forwards coach, she's the backs coach, whatever it may be. And, you know, a conversation between them might just be like, oh, we'd like the ball here off that lineout. Thank you very much. But there wouldn't be, you know, okay, that's a five-man lineout. We need you to have a full-man lineout to put space over here, whatever it is. So how much of, I don't want to say a crash course, was it to suddenly have to get up to, to speed with the forward side of things? But like, how did you deal with that pressure of it too? Yeah, that was, um, again, it probably links to what I said before about uh, like not knowing what forwards like like I do really you know like I was sitting there at the back and I, all I wanted was middle to back like just give me middle to back like that's all I care I don't care how you do it like like just give me middle to back off the top and then away we go and where we go so to then come into like a, an environment like a coaching environment and then sit down like obviously I went through skills first so I sat there and watched a little bit but then when we got to attack and was like right we're planning our attacking structures off lineouts right our five man and six mans and then and then to sit there and then like give an example now with, with Jerry and go through, right, this week I want, um, this is where we're trying to attack. We want to attack, attack around the seam of the line out. Um, they defend this way with no tail gunner. We want to try because of this. Well, I can't give you that because uh, they defend this way. Um, and then and then they do it this turn. And then for us to get the ball there, then we have to shift into this. And then I'm just sitting there going, oh my God, like how, like line, what line outs? Like <laughs> this is early on. I'm just going cheap as, this is the most complicated thing in the world. Like, um, but, but there's an art to it. There's an absolute art to it. And, and I think it's just, again, the clarity around it. So, you know, Sunday night before, before we, we meet, we'll meet myself and Jerry, the line out for, we would have had our conversations of where we want to attack. We know we want to attack. He knows what kind of area I want the ball. Uh, he knows what delivery I want. And then he will, he will then give, um, give the, that information to the line out forwards. 
And then they'll come back and say, you know what, we can't do that. We can give you that. We can do this. And, th and then we'll just adjust there. So I think, as you said, the crash course was me just sitting and sitting in there and listening to them, listening to how they operate, see what they go through, see what they're looking at, um, see what our strength is. And again, it, 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 it all goes back to what type of team you are and, and having clarity in how you want to attack. It's not like we just turn up um, on the weekend, uh, sorry, on a Sunday or a Monday and go, right, boys, we've got a whole new bank of plays. Like we are very clear on how we want to play in certain areas of the field, what strengths we have in terms of us as boards, as a team and backs. So actually there's not a lot of change from week to week. There might be like one of my big philosophies. I want to be unpredictable. So there'll be special plays. I love throwing little special plays in there um, because one, it keeps the players engaged, keeps me engaged. And I think they love it. If you just turn up with a, a driving mall every week, then you know, for me as a player, I'd be like, well, this is, you know, but if you throw in something that's a little bit tricky, it's a little bit out of the box thinking, then as a player, you're like, wow, this is, you know, this is, this is why we play rugby, you try and break it down the team. And that's where they come and they have ideas as well. So we try not to change too much, um, but also tailored to the strengths that we have. Um, and, and that might be attacking the seam of a line out or, it might be we have a really good mall, we might play off that. It might be that we 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 attack the middle of the field and we have an eleven pattern. That that might be that might be, you know, our strength uh, in terms of getting our backs onto the ball. So yeah, so the crash course was definitely was definitely fun. Um just to see how they how the Fords do things or how they think, especially in around the line out. And then it was just linking it together. And, and that's just talking and discussing and, and having clarity around one, your style and the way you want to attack. Uh, and two, having a good relationship with the the forwards and the scrum liner. Because also, like Adam Jones, the scrum, you know, we're at, we work very closely on, right, you know, we've got a good scrum, but how we play off it, like, actually, you know, in this position, we want the ball in and out. Um, actually, we want right right shoulder up. We want our tight head to get up in this situation. We want to take their back row out of it. Um, we want to get Don Brandt breaking off the bat, off the base a bit more in here. Um, so, yeah, it's it's, again, it goes back to that kind of, when you're a, when you're a player, you don't understand we don't really get the feel of where the study that goes into, into making plays work. You just kind of reactionary you go, yep, sweet. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. Coaching off the set piece, like the scrum or the line out, how many set phases do you have in advance before it becomes open play? So generally we, I wouldn't go more than three. It'd be very rare that I would, that I would coach more than three phases. Um, I think after three phases, like you're into your attack formation shape, whatever whatever you want to say. Um, I think the the more if the more phases that you want to be prescripted is the more detail that you have to give the players. Um, and then the more detail that you give players increases the amount of training time that you have to coach it, which then decreases the amount of training time that you have to coach other areas. So, for example. On a Monday, we have a 30% session. Uh, we call it install. Um, I've got 20 minutes. I have 20 minutes to install the knowledge of plays for that week. And as I said before, like we don't train, change too much purely because it takes training time. Um, so there may be one or two little plays that we want to tinker with. But if I start having three plays that are four phases long that everyone needs to know their position in, that's going to take more than 20 minutes to, to install. Uh, which means then I lose coaching time on our kicking game, on our unstructured play, uh, on our defense, um, and all these other kind of areas. So for me, it's a, it's a bit of a thing. I don't like to coach more than three phases. Uh, and very rarely it would be two phases. 
Um, again, tailor it to the way we want to play the game. Like we, Quinn's tempo, we want to try and make the game as unstructured as we as we can, um, purely for the fact that that, that suits our players. Um, you get Danny and Marcus and Martin Landejo and, you know, guys in our backs into the game and, and, and looking for, for space through unstructured kind of um, play, uh, then that's, that suits us better than being very prescriptive. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, I, I wouldn't go more than three phases purely for the fact that it just, I'll give you an example. Like when I first started becoming a tech coach, the first two weeks, I, <laughs> oh my God, it makes me embarrassed about now. I, I would come in and go and I'd be like, right, I've got six new plays. And, and the next week I'll have six brand new plays. And so I'd sit there and it would take me 40 minutes to, to go through and show each play. And, and like, it's proven players switch off after 10, 10 minutes in a meeting. So I've gone through two plays and then, then everyone's just like, this is the most boring meeting in the world. Go, oh, bloody hell. Then I've got to go out and then try and coach that and install that. And it's going to take me longer than 20 minutes. So I learned very quickly that one, to keep the players engaged, meeting short, like especially when you're presenting presenting like uh, maps and or patterns or however you want to do it, and then two is the more information and the more maps you have is the more coaching time it takes. Uh, and then the players, you know, the players can't handle that amount of information. They want detail, but the more detail you give um, is, is is more coaching time. You mentioned earlier you reckon that the game is getting probably too complicated or overcomplicated, and like you played at a World Cup which is probably the, well, it's no, probably about it. You played at a world cup, which is the most elite you can play at in the sport. Mm -hmm. And now you're coaching elites, but do you think that the complication of the game now, just like this question is more complicated today than it was back then. And by how much maybe, or what distance? You know what? It's hard. I don't, I, I, because I wasn't coaching back then, I don't know. It's hard to tell how detailed it was because of the information that they that, that they gave us. We we had quite a de uh, a complicated plan in that World Cup. It didn't go that well for us in two thousand seven. We had kind of two game plans that we were trying to run at the same time. Um, so I think that that was definitely one way that we overcomplicated uh, the game. I think, I th yeah, I think I think we overcomplicated. It's hard. It's 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 a tough question because. Players want detail. Like players, players want detail, um, and they want to be told where they want to run, and they want to be told like what I want to do here, and they, they thrive on that. But then again, as I said before, the more detail that you give, is then the more that they will go right. Okay, well, you said to do this, and you said to do that, and you said to do that into that position there, and you said on the fourth phase, you said, well, I have to be there. Whereas actually, the phase before we made a line break, and we should just be playing our unstructured rugby. We should just be playing our momentum and play on top and play what's in front of us. So I'm, that, that, that's part of the reason why I, I, there is, I mean, there is so much detail that we give around our formation, our one, three, three, one, um, and our plays and, and, and what we want to do. But in terms of the information that we give in meetings um, through the week is very, very limited. We try and limit it. We've tried to actually cut it down even recently to, to, to one or two things. The details there, like preseason, is your time to add the detail, but but throughout the week, the, the the more detail you have is the more that you overload these players. That's that's what I found. I always found like if you make it as as clear and simple as you can, um, th these players can can hold on to it um, because 
I think if you go back and say like they want more detail, but then they don't want more detail because more detail. Oh, I'm thinking about too much. Just let us play. So you let us play, and then something doesn't quite work. They go, well, yeah, but we didn't know what to do. So give us more detail. And you're like, well, you said you didn't want detail. So it it can be like that. It can just be round. It can be round and round and round and round and round. So I think you just kind of kind of kind of roll with that a little bit. Um, and but but definitely we've tried to. Well, I I've personally tried to very simplify it down and try and give critical details when it's needed throughout the week and then then your pre-season is is the time when you can overload them with the with with the specific detail in terms of you mentioned that players are quite reactionary and i imagine a player's week is a lot easier than a coach's week and if you can hear the dog barking sorry i don't know there must be the postman there or something but (laughs) the you know the player plays the game on the saturday and if they play well if they play poor you know they think to themselves right next saturday i get to go out again i get to play again but I mean, it probably plays on the coach's mind right throughout that week. And, you know, you're thinking, OK, why did, did we not prepare well enough here? Or did we, could we have done something different here? Or was that meeting maybe too long? And I imagine it's probably a lot tougher for a coach um, and their mindset. And I'm just wondering, how do you deal with kind of that mental strain or that kind of uh, like your mental health? How do, you, how do you keep that in check and not be constantly worried going to bed? And, you know, first thing when you wake up in the morning. You need to ask my wife this. should be a good uh should be a good tell on that um the the truth of it is mate is like i think as a coach you think about the game 24 7 like i am like constantly thinking about the game um not the game or like the group it's 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 something that i've I've, um i felt really i've felt tough um as you say around the mental health of it like i I had a period and, and again, it, it results obviously have a big impact on that. Um, but I just couldn't switch off, couldn't switch off. Um, and my wife would say that like, she'd be like, like, you, you're not here. And I'm like, yeah, but we've got, I'm out within the park. But she's like, but you're not like, you're, you're looking at your phone. You're, you're away. You think you can tell that I'm thinking about something else. And that was when she started talking about that was like, right, like I need to get some strategies and processes in place where I can, I can be away from the game, like part my phone. Um, and that was one of the big things was putting this down. Like, like, because you can constantly look at this and say, well, actually, I'll just, I'll just text Jerry and actually I'll see what's happening there. And oh, how are we doing this? And, and so, yeah, I, I found that very hard to be honest, mate. It was very, very hard. And, and I got stressed um, and I got irritable. I got very irritable. Um, and it was probably more so at home that I would get irritable um then 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 at the rugby club so it was something that i that i worked really hard on um is to try and mentally just get away from the game and stop thinking about it but it's hard i find it hard like you say the play the players train they go home and that's fine like coaches i'm sure coaches will, will listen to this will be like they all they know they do long days and you're watching games and you come home and you're thinking about did i was training good today you know you freak did we do it did did, did that player get enough? Did, is he doing that? Wasn't my mess- messaging right? Did I say that in the meeting? Did they? Did I get my point across? Did I overload them? What have we got to do tomorrow? Who are we playing the week after? Do I need to start looking at them? You know, so I, I find that my mind's constantly always ticking. And whether it's a bad thing or a good thing is 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 up for debate. But when it starts kind of affecting what I was doing at home and how I was like, um, you know, just not being there around for my family was was when I knew I had to make I had to change what I was doing um, and and the first thing was making sure that this was away from me sometimes 
uh, that when we went out. Um, and then again, keeping it simple, going back and keeping it simple. So just not overthinking. I can't, I can't fix everything. But if, I, if the important thing is the important thing, then that's the important thing. And then that, that's, that's what I roll with. Um, so yeah, it was, I went through some pretty dark times uh, and the family went through some pretty dark times and it was just, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't nice to be around. I wasn't nice to be around. So I made sure that, that uh, I recognized that and got some, just got some help through mentors and just said how, how they dealt with it and what I could do. And, and because it's important because that I, I think the players will, will pick up on that. So if I came to work anxious and irritable, then the players will pick up on that and they'd be anxious and irritable. And I didn't want to be that, you know, like I want to be consistent and consistent. But for me, a big thing is like, I've got so much energy that I can transfer to the to the players. I want I want them to be, I want them to love being at training. I used to love going to training. I want to love being around the environment. So if I was turning up in that kind of state of mind, then how can I expect the players to, to, to love being where they are? So yeah, I, I, that, that was a big, uh, a big change for me to, to try and simplify things, but make sure that, that, that when I came to work, I was, I was, full of energy and we're ready to go and pumping tires up and everything like that. But when I came home, more importantly that I was doing the same thing because I couldn't come home and, 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 and be in a, in a, in a, in a foul mood. It's amazing. You kind of came to that conclusion because at the start of this, you said, I want to, I, as a coach, I need to be Nick Evans, the human being and your personality be quite laid back. And suddenly you come into coaching and like you said, you're irritable, you're annoyed, you know, you're not, you're not as probably laid back as you were. So it's amazing mm. to see how much just changing your role changed you as a person and how you had to work on that too, you know? Yeah. And it, I just, I just didn't expect it to be like that. You know, like you, you go from 70, like, yeah, 70, well, rugby, rugby's been with me my whole life since I was eight. So you kind of in that environment, went to uni and then rugby for 17 years, you know, you're, you're told you do physio here, you train here you eat here and then you go home and you, you can do whatever you like. You don't, you don't have to think about rugby. You turn up back on Monday morning and you do this and you might do 15 minutes at night over your homework or whatever, but to then fully think about rugby. And then this is quite interesting. Like I never used to watch rugby as a player. I used to never watch rugby. I used to like, I used to watch other sport. I used to hate watching rugby, hate it because my whole life was rugby. I was, I, I was when I went to, when I turned up to training, I'd be like, right, I'm here get the best out of myself, try and improve us, whatever, do all this, then come home, switch off, watch football, watch darts, play, go outside, whatever. But then now the, the transition to like start watching rugby, actually watch rugby, not watch rugby for fun, but analyze, look for trends. Like I think it, it, it kind of just crept up on me a little bit where I got to a point where I was like, I just can't like, this is not working. Like, I'm just constantly thinking about it 24 seven. Um, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be like that. So I, I just had to make sure that I put some strategies in place to make sure more importantly, that family came first, like when I came home that I'm there, I'm present. Um, and then, then make sure that I've got the energy to come, uh, to come to training and really, really drive a group, um, challenge the group, uh, make it fun, you know, which is important, make it fun and, 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 and try and, and, and get a, get a good performance on the weekend. Um, but more importantly, create, create a really good environment for the players. I'm very conscious of your time and I know you've given so much already. So I just have one last question for you. What advice would you offer any young coaches or any coaches looking to aspire to the professional game? Um, what would I say? What would I say? I think, um, 
I think a couple of things would be the first is is like be is go back to the original thing that you said it was like be you like be who you are um i think there's so much information like you said at the start is there's so much information there's so much people willing to give information is 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 soak that all in but also got to trust and not be afraid to make mistakes of what you think is right especially when, when, if you're if you're at that lower levels like even now like at a high performance level like I still make mistakes all the time, all the time. And actually sometimes <laughs> the mistakes can result in losing games, which is not great because that's where your jobs are, uh, can be, can be, can, can be on the line. Um, but, but I'm, I'm in a place where like, I know that I'm not going to get everything right. I'm not going to, I'm not perfect. Like I don't think there's a perfect coach out there. Um, you want to try and coach the perfect game. You want to try and get everything right, but you've got to try and test the boundaries and, and, and try things that you think is right. So I think that's important is, 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 is not having the fear to make mistakes um, uh, through being you, through being you. The other thing I'd say is, is just, just also remember that the players don't see the game like you do. They don't see the game like you do as a coach. They don't think about the game like you do. Um, and that's something that like, uh, took me a while to, 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 to work at uh, or to work out and, and kind of understand is, is you, 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 you do all this analysis, you do all this study, you think about the game this way, you think about it. They, they don't think of the game. And I'm not saying all players are like, some players are brilliant. They, they actually do think about the game, but most players don't think about the game. Like, like they're out there, they play the game, they, they react to what they see, they're under so much pressure. Um, so it's just being able to, to manage that with your players and understand that they don't see it that way, but also that they're the ones out there. And how, can you empower them to, to coach through what you have done, the work that you've done, and get them to to take accountability with that and and, and coach through you. Just on that, and I know I know I said it was the last question, but That's just right. the way you said, um, just the way you said, players don't see the game the way coaches do. Can it be difficult dealing with the general public, like the fan on the side of the pitch, who you might bump into in the supermarket and they say, "Oh, why didn't you do this?" or "Why didn't you X Y Z?" And you're thinking, well, I didn't do X, Y, Z because sales set up in this formation yeah. and you can't get it, you know, you can't get into that conversation. So how do, how do you feel like, how, how is it to de- having to deal with that? Maybe fans on the pitch or fans meet on a Saturday or a Sunday after a game and, you know, you, you just have to go, oh yeah, yeah, you know, you're, you're dead right. <laughs> my, uh, I've got one of those, it's called my dad. He sits <laughs> in New Zealand, he watches all the games and he'll ring me nearly every night asked me how training's gone but after every game he would have watched the game and it's exactly that he said why are you doing that why did you do that why, why did you drop the ball there why didn't why why aren't you running it for like oh my gosh it's, it's like and i'm just exactly like you just sitting there like yep brilliant yeah we should do it yep 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 and look uh, and but but the pure fact of it is like fans love the game they love the game and they want and they're invested in it, which we want them to be. And it's really sad at the moment not having them in the stadiums because it, it does make the spectacle less than, than, than what it is. You know, you want to hear, especially at the stoop, the crowd roaring. You know, you want them to be feel like they're part of the game. And obviously, I don't read too much on forums and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And when you lose, they lose, that they hurt, you know, just like you are. Um, they're probably not as hurting as much as you are, but, but they, they definitely hurt. From a result like that so you know they want to they want to say oh we've done this and, and, and things like that and i was one of those you know i'm a fan of the all blacks now i sit there, i sit there and do exactly the same thing oh, why don't they do that why don't they just give it to him like when you know you, you sit there and do it so look being on the being on the same thing is 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 um 
is is exactly that so look it's just part of the part of it is the way it is and and part of the game and and yeah it's it's it can be enjoyable because some of them are like so passionate that you're like you know how good is this that, that they actually love the team that much well on that nick i just want to say thanks a million for taking the time for being so open for for sharing that experience and like i said like everybody else who came on so much or so far just being so open and honest about everything brilliant no hopefully uh hopefully it helps uh a young coach coming through and uh yeah no problems at all spot on well thanks a million well that's it for me today folks thanks a million for tuning in if you enjoyed the podcast please feel free to rate review and subscribe to it and if you really enjoyed it please feel free to send it to a friend who may be interested as it's the easiest way for the podcast to go thanks a million folks see you in the next episode